sound. See, when you when, when you go back when you go back what? and listen to this, the horror movie, the horror sound, you'd be like, oh. you'll be scared. All right. No. Let's hear it. You hear Maybe it? it's on it right now. You don't hear it? Oh, no, I don't hear shit. <laughs> All right. Oh, I just stopped that abruptly. Anyway, hey, welcome to Couch on Fire podcast. That's Griffin. I'm Rob. What right. up? How are you guys doing today? Good. No one, no one said anything. Yeah, eh, maybe. Whatever. Yeah, fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, last week we started our new uh, series for the summer. It's uh it's gonna be summer of horror, scary stuff because it's it's a horror summer. You know, I'm trying to make a good dad joke, but I can't think of anything. Oh wait a minute, I got one. Yeah, you... I, I got one for you. Oh what, god. What did the pirate say to his son? No, why couldn't the pirate go to the movies? Because it was rated R. No, I thought it was because, you know, he couldn't get to his fucking ship. Oh, this is hot as shit outside. Oh, Ain't no water. Ain't no water to sail. <laughs> but, uh, yes, guys, so this is part two of the first uh, th- episode that we did. Um, this is going to be about just our favorite, uh, uh, was it actor, directors, and writers. I mean, I say just, actors. Just our favorite people in the horror scene, yeah, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. We uh, we talked about some good people in the first uh, podcast, so definitely look at that one. But... We left off with Griffin, so I'm going to jump into this and give you some money. Hmm? Are you ready for this one? This one's, a, do- this one's a doozy. This one, he's teeter-tottering on the line of horror, okay? I say that because a lot of his stuff can be viewed as horror or as a unique artist. I'm, I'm dropping hints for you to see if you can guess it. But also, if you look the other way... He's definitely, you know, make movies that aren't horror, that he's made, you know, fantasy films. Okay? You know what I'm talking about? Can you give me a guess? Oh, yeah. Peter Jackson, obviously. No. Oh, are you talking about Guillermo del Toro? No. But those are some good names right there. Those are some good names, you know? Um, The only thing I can think of maybe horror would be like Pan's Labyrinth for Guillermo del Toro. eh, He's made some other crazy fucked up shit. I mean, his, his... his fucked up shit's just fucked up. Um, no, yeah. I was talking about the one and only Tim Burton. Oh, shit. Yeah, I completely forgot about him. So, well, it's because he's not a really well-known named horror person. You know? Because think yeah. about it. If you, all right, let's look at his films. Okay. So... I can't even think of a lot of his films. A lot of like he does a lot of a lot of animation. So his animation and his artwork is very dark. It's very mysterious. I mean, look at um, Nightmare Before Christmas. Look at um, even James and the Giant Peach. These are some movies that he's made a long time ago, and they're kind of they're kind of scary because of the artwork. Um, I can see as a kid they would be frightening to yeah. you. Yeah, um, but I would think I mean, Sweetie Todd. That's a very uh, a very interesting uh, outlook on things. The only only film of his I've seen that I would truly consider horror would probably be the uh, Sleepy Hollow remake. Yeah, okay, Sleepy Hollow. Something of a guilty pleasure yeah. of mine, you know. I think. It's... Yeah, I mean that's a that's that's a good movie. His obsession with Johnny Depp though is uh, getting outrageous in that movie. But um... yeah, that's that's the real horror story right there. Is in every fucking movie. Um. But no, one of the reasons why I put him on this list, though, is because of his artwork, his creativity. Like, I, I really believe, like, um, it's not really a horror movie, but to me it can be obscene as a horror movie because the way people treat people that are different. But Edward Scissorhands is a – the visuals are very disturbing. Actually, Vincent Price is in that. that play, he plays Edward Scissorhands' father. Um, ah. But uh, that's a little hint. If you listen to the last podcast, you'll uh, you'll understand. Um, but the visuals alone are just so spectacular, but so dark. And then the way he makes people portray like mysteriously, like even like I said, Sweetie Todd, or even Sleepy Hollow, or you know Beetlejuice, that can be considered a horror movie to some people. It's scary to know that there's an afterlife, and then there, there's somebody that can, you know, all that shit in the afterlife. It's just it's kind of scary, so that's why I put him on my list. We don't have to talk too much about him, but he's one, he is one for me on there. Oh, that's fair. Um, I would say I, I kind of do agree with you on the whole Edward Scissorhands thing. The seems like the horror elements are more based on the other characters, not so much the guy with the giant blades on his hands. 
Yeah. Like when they show the overhead shot in the beginning of the movie where everyone's house is the same, they all leave at the same time. It's some real Stepford Wives kind of shit. Oh, yeah. And you got, you got this guy who doesn't look or act anything like the others, and he's ostracized and shunned and hated for it. Mm-hmm. I, I can kind of see what you're getting at now. I, I kind of, I was kind of shaking my head a little bit when you brought up uh, Tim Burton for the first time, but well, it's kind of making sense. If you think about it, I mean, he's very... Th- that movie alone is literally... It's people... Like, someone trying to take in a, ch- a child that's different, and mm-hmm. people just torturing him and using him, because that's what, you know, that's just... Yeah. Hmm. But, alright. Your turn. Go. Oh, shit. Alright, so I will now turn to a... Production Ooh. company instead of Ooh. actors or anything like Ooh, that. Okay. A twenty four. A twenty four. I'm not sure if you've heard of them. I have. They have. They have been single handedly for me saving indie horror and indie films in general over the past couple of years. Like so many times, I've been I've gone into this movie not knowing what the hell it is, not knowing what it's about, and I'm thinking I might have wasted like eight bucks because I usually go on the eight dollar matinees. Mm-hmm. I may have wasted eight dollars in two hours of my life. And I see that A24 logo pop up, and I just breathe a sigh of relief. It's like, whew, good. I have yet to see a bad A24 film, and I've seen about seven of them so far. Hereditary is one. Uh, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of The Witch or It Comes at Night, but both I, of those are I, A24. I've heard of both of those, yes. Both fantastic horror movies. Um, there's one I think it's called Climax. I have not seen it yet, but it is... Apparently, from everything I've heard, it's one of the most fucked up films of the year. Oh. Uh, it's my current fuck, most fucked up film of the year. Even more fucked up than Hereditary is this one film called The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Um, basically about this crazy teenager who starts tormenting a surgeon and his family after the surgeon accidentally, like, his father dies on the operating table or something yeah. like that. Really, really fucked up film. Uh, never thought I would ever see Colin Farrell being good at anything. He was really good in that <laughs> film. Um, he's plays a surgeon. They've just been putting out such such risky, out there, fucked up horror films. All of them rated R, and it's a hard two. Really taking all these risks when nowadays the only safe way to go with horror, it seems, is to either go for a well-known established brand like Halloween or Friday the 13th or something like that or stick with a safe PG-13 like slasher-esque kind of I know what you did last summer kind of movie and then just hope you go super low budget and hope that they make enough money back to cover the investment Mm. so I respect a company that's willing to keep taking the risks time and time again and not really for too much uh, for too much reward I saw Hereditary, and it was one of my favorite horror films the last couple of years. And afterwards, I checked. I was checking on the internet about it, and it got, like, a cinema score of, like, a D- from audiences oh. and stuff. Mostly because of uh, mis- legitimately misleading advertising. Like, the trailer was not at all indicative of what the movie was going to be. And where it was going to go, and all the fucked up twists and turns that was going to happen. So I can understand people being a little bit pissed about that, but come on, y'all. This is a legitimately amazing film, great acting, great directing, and everything. And they threw their weight behind it, and they barely made their money back. And it kills me. It legitimately kills me. And it, I'm afraid it's going to potentially see, end up... I have, up. I have to see this movie now. I mean, I know we've talked about it before, and I still haven't watched it. Mm-hmm. But I got, I got to see it now. I mean, I just got to see where your head's at. Well, if, if nothing else... What I would definitely recommend to you, and this is almost going to sound like I'm overhyping it, bear with me here. Make sure that when you watch it, you're prepared for it to completely fucking ruin your day. It was one of the most emotionally turbulent movies I've ever seen. And it legitimately, like, I had to, I had, I could not think about anything else all day. There was one particular scene, and what <laughs> happened immediately after that. And you'll know exactly what scene I'm talking about when you watch that movie. I thought about it for days. Oh, see, it would just that's pop a, into my mind. That's a good movie, not just a horror movie. That's a good movie. If they can make a scene or something that happens that you think about for days on weeks, that's that that's a good movie. So, like I was I was in the theater. Me and my sister went to go see it because she's a huge horror buff like me. 
and we're sitting there in the, in the theater. That scene happens, uh-huh. and I do not talk in the theater. I never talk in the theater. I make that a rule. And if you're talking next to me in the theater, I'm going to ask you politely one time, and then I'm going to take out a lighter and set your fucking leg on fire the next time you do it. <laughs> but I said out loud in the theater, holy fuck. Wow. Like, I, I couldn't believe that had just happened. Um, and, it, of course, it killed me after the movie was over. The person who was in front of me was stood up, and they were talking to the people they came there with, and they said, wow, that was stupid. It's like, come on, man. That was fucking great. That was wow. an amazing fucking movie. So I don't know. It might be I'm just I'm just twisted enough in the head that all this shit makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Like I enjoyed Mother, which is that film that everyone else apparently hated with Jennifer Lawrence and everything. Yeah, which I think was also an A24, if I'm not mistaken. It might not have been. I think that was like a what the he- whatever the hell his fucking name is, some guy, yeah, Aronofsky, something like that. Yeah, um, Darren Aronofsky, I think. But just they take chances on these really twisted fucked up movies that would never see the light of day anywhere else and I gotta respect the hell out of them for it and even if I do one day see an A24 film that I don't like and I don't care for you would I'm still, still not be a well, fan. I'm still not gonna well I'm not gonna regret spending the money okay because unless all the movies they put out in the next couple of years turn out to be shit every purchase that I make potentially funds one of my new favorite movies so Matata. You know, you win some, you lose some. Uh, there's not the, well, this streak isn't gonna keep going forever. Yeah. Like there's there's no way. Well, it's that's physically that's how I feel about the Marvel thing. There's gonna be eventually there's gonna be one that's like I wanna sweep under the rug. Yes. So it's called Thor the Dark World. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So well I, I don't have much to say about that because I don't know a lot about those indie films, which I will check them out. I will Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. We'll we'll definitely have to talk about them when oh, you see we, them. Oh, we will. Oh, we will. Yeah. Right. Are you ready um, for? Are you ready for mine? You ready for this? Bring it. Bring it. Let's hear it. All right. So, without talking about the the two big Papa douches, because we we dropped one of them, but one of the big, uh, to me at least, the big Papa douches. When I'm not going to bring those up yet. Soon, I'm going to go with a uh, a little man from Australia, and yes, he is from Australia, named James Wan. Oh shit! I didn't know he was from Australia. Yeah, he is. Uh, I'm Google. I googled him. He's Australian Malaysian, so hmm. so Malaysia and Australia. But anyway, James Wan. I mean, come on. So for the people that don't know who James Wan is, he made Aquaman. <laughs> oh, I mean, he did. He, he did direct Aquaman, which I haven't seen. But I actually I'm uploading a um, podcast tonight about uh, DC. So you'll. Hmm. You'll hear that one. Oh, that's but that's any, bound to be fun. But anyway, um, yeah, no, James Wan made uh, Saw. That's his 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 uh, what you would call his blueprint to his life. His yeah, it's, it's kind of his magnum opus. Yes, I guess. Yeah, his um, that was his thing. So Saw, I mean, and then he produced mostly all the rest of the Saws and that whole trilogy, and then he got himself into the Conjuring and Insidious. So mm-hmm. he he definitely um, he definitely needs to be up there. And now, I Saul to me was wonderful because it was a psychological torture film, and I like gore, so that's why I enjoyed Saul. Never really got into The Conjuring. I don't really like possession movies. I think possession movies are just possessions and ghost movies are really not up my cup of tea. Um, I will watch them, but they just don't really resonate with me because I really don't believe too much in ghosts now. With that said, I still turn off the lights and run to the bedroom real fast. But yeah, I, um, I <laughs> going. I I agree wholeheartedly um, for mostly the same reasons. The only thing I'll add on to that is because I don't believe in ghosts, um, and because it claims to be on based on a true story. You know, especially any of the the Warren files, I guess, yeah. like Ed and Lorraine Warren, all this kind of stuff. You know for a fact, going in, no one is gonna die no one is ever going to die because with any of these like these exorcists you know these professional exorcists and stuff like that if anyone had died during the course of their exorcisms it would be national fucking news they would get sued into the ground you know they would probably be stripped of whatever certification they have oh, you yeah. know from the church to be doing exorcisms and stuff so going into it seeing all the times i just got my head in my hands just saying ah yeah he's totally about to die yep 
Yep, and she's going to get her soul taken by Satan or something, yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's definitely... Oh, no, someone came in at the last minute and stopped them. Wow. What a colossal surprise. I was on the edge of my seat. Uh, you, got, oh, you got a great... Thing you, over should do that, you should do this voice more often. That's pretty hilarious. Yeah. yeah. It, but it's just... Like, to be fair, okay? I watched The Conjuring 1 basically on my sister's recommendation because she's she loves those these possession things. Like, she's a huge yeah. believer in, in ghosts and demons and all this kind of stuff. So she loves the whole possession narrative. And she was on the edge of her seat the whole movie. I will say... As far as acting, production design, like all the effects and stuff go, it's probably the best modern possession film. I, I'd say it was up there with The Exorcist. Yeah. Um, well, and I, mean, I know that's a that's a very controversial opinion. Well, um, James, don't no 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 stop for a second. For one, hmm. for the people out there that are listening that are sucking that Exorcist teat, you get you need mm-hmm. to calm down for a second. Exorcist, yes, it's a great movie. For its time and what ha- what they did was wonderful, but you know it's time to move past that. And I agree with you. Like the the visuals that James Wan does is amazing. Like mm-hmm. the the camera angles, the the way they just film it, the way the, the you know it's just yeah the the one shot yeah like when they're oh, yeah. when they're moving into the house and it's just one continuous shot. Production, if if nothing else, if you just watch those movies to see all the all the cool shots and everything i'm totally okay with that i'm 100 percent behind that because i do the same thing mm-hmm. you know i i watched the conjuring 2 partially because my sister wanted to see it and partially just to see like more of the pretty shots and stuff and if nothing else even if i didn't think the acting was as good in the second one the story was a lot more involved there were actual like legitimately creepy fucking scenes like there's a scene you need to look it up on youtube because i know you're never going to watch that movie um, they're in the house overnight, and there's a dog in the in the house with them. And this little kid is laying on the floor and watches the dog walk over slowly into the moonlight and just sit there and start whining. And then slowly, fucking like all its bones start breaking and reforming and stuff. And it stands up and turns into a man that's like eleven feet tall who starts wow. walking in this like almost like a puppet like really jerky movements and stuff yeah. towards the kid starts walking up a wall and it's like he's getting taller and taller the whole time it was a legitimately like I was fucking creeped out the entire time um and then near the end the main antagonist of the film starts turning from like just a, your average everyday like oh look it's a scary nun haven't seen that before to literally turning into a fucking cloven hoofed you know fucking like horns and stuff style demon and it looked insane again I couldn't take anything seriously there was no dramatic tension whatsoever but the visuals and the sound design was awesome you know I think I think with ghost movies possession movies or spiritual movies like that the best thing that makes if if I watch you and most likely I'm gonna go in thinking I'm not gonna like this movie but if mm-hmm. you, for me, for my personal opinion, if you want to grab me into this movie, I want to, he- I want to hear things. I want to, I want my senses to be fucked up. Like I, I really want to like hear just, like he made Insidious, and to me, I'm like, okay, that that was creepy, old woman. There's all this creepy stuff. But the thing that freaked me out the most that he did was this little fucking song. I can't remember how's it go like. Tiptoe through the window. Yeah, and like putting that, putting that creepy song in when, when that song probably came out. Whenever it did, it was probably a beautiful song that everyone loved. But putting that into the right moment at the right time just pulled me into that movie. I loved Insidious, and I don't really like the possessions and the the altar that kind of shit. But it that in. To me, that entire movie was a colossal waste of my time with one exception. <laughs> what was that? I usually fucking despise. We've talked before about how much I hate jump scares. Yeah. Unless they're earned. And that scene in the kitchen with the fucking Darth Maul looking thing. Oh, yeah. Legit, <laughs> it startled me so fucking bad. I almost fell out of my seat when I was watching that movie. I, uh... Like, it came out of nowhere, dude. And it was so fucking loud. Just out of nowhere. Just, you know, And he just and we'll start screaming and running and shit. Oh, my God. I'm going to tell you right now. The, the biggest jump scare that I ever had in a movie theater that I actually peed my pants. 
<laughs> um, I was, and I was like 16 or 17 when this came out. So oh, God okay. knows how old you were. Um, yeah. It was a remake of this movie called The Hitcher or The Hitchhiker or no, this The Hitcher. Mm-hmm. It's a remake of this movie called The Hitcher. Literally, mm-hmm. the first like 10 minutes into the movie, you don't expect anything. You just, guy's driving and a fucking bird just crashes right into his car, like the window. It scared the shit out of me. <laughs> like, it's, oh my God. Uh, sorry, sorry that, that note. I'm just, I'm, I'm seeing if I can look at. Oh, that bird and the hitcher. I think it's called the hitcher, the remake. Uh, it scared the shit. Out. I mean, I remember. Is that is that one where like a car was driving up alongside them? No, uh, no, 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 no. I'll okay. I'll find it and I'll send it to you. I gotta remember. Okay. It. Yeah. All right. Um, cool. Um, but, all right. So my guy was James Wan. All right. Who we got next for you? Oh shit! We're running out of people here. Um, Off. You gotta bring out the big ducks. Bring out the big ducks. Oh, by the way, there uh, Conjuring Three comes out next year. Just to give your sister a heads up. Yeah, that's that's something too. I'm not I'm not gonna go see that one. Spe- okay. Well, I I may. I'll wait to see on reviews. Yeah. Specifically because I heard that James Wan will not be returning he's, to direct it. He's off doing his own thing. Yeah, he's producing it. And you know how much I dis I fucking hate series. They've kind of turned the conjuring into its own little mcu yeah like they have the annabelle With, movies oh uh, annabelle 2 comes out annabelle comes home comes out later this year and it drives me fucking crazy dude oh. it's like they got everyone has to have their own movie they had three antagonists in the conjuring 2 mm-hmm. and every single one of them gets their own spin-off movie yeah it's aggravating like that guy i told you about the guy that came out of the dog that was his only fucking scene in the entire movie he was in less than five minutes. That was an amazing scene. It set the tone for the rest of that movie. But it does not deserve its own spin-off scene. Like, that's stupid. Why the hell would you do that? And, of course, you know, the zombie nun or whatever, that already came out. It had a, actually kind of a, a guilty pleasure of mine as far as actresses go. Uh, Thaisa Famiga, I think her name is. Okay. But she was real big in American Horror Story and everything. Um, which I guess we could talk about briefly for if it's something for me to bring up uh, fucking yeah. American Horror Story because I know you have very strong opinions on it I know I have them so we'll at least get some discussion out of that but yeah, she was she was amazing in the first season of American Horror Story and I've been waiting for her to see like what she's going to do next and she started a movie uh, called The Nun and it was terrible yeah well see my whole thing with American Horror Story um, it started out great like every other TV show mm-hmm but then, like, even though every season's different, it just started to me. The last two seasons just weren't weren't that wonderful. They just weren't that great, and it bugged me because, like, what's what's scary? I mean, to, maybe to some people, politics are scary, and mm-hmm. the whole fact that Donald Trump's president is scary. But that fucking didn't. It's a cult thing. It didn't really bug. I, I didn't like it. And but I loved. I know what they can do because I love the first three seasons. And honestly, I liked Hotel a lot, too. Hotel was a good one. I know that was later on. And I really wanted Freak Show to have more of that clown because clowns are just fucked up. Yeah. I think his name was Twisty or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and it just did not... It just didn't. My, my main problem is that the first three seasons, I loved them as, as much as you did mm-hmm. because it was so different. Oh, like, yes. you had no idea what the fuck was going to happen. There were so many twists and turns in that first season that blew my fucking mind. And then looking back on it, it's like, oh, that makes sense. Okay, that makes so much sense why this is only happening to this one person. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because X, Y, and Z. Uh, it seemed like the series got a lot more formulaic as time went on. Yes. Um, every single goddamn season. What the hell is her name? Jessica something. The old lady. Yes. She's not in it anymore, but yeah. I know what you're talking about. But she always has to be like the the evil one who talks real soft like this with a southern accent. <laughs> and I'm going to act obviously evil the entire fucking show, but everybody's going to trust me. And I'm going to be a colossal bitch to everybody. Well, they, but they're uh, still going to trust me. They kind of replaced her with, uh, what is her fucking name? The girl from Misery. Yeah, the the fat black, uh, the fat white lady. Yeah, and that's the problem. And, and then her character became Sammy as well. She's always the bloodthirsty, crazy one. Yeah, like she'll come up yeah. and she'll stab somebody. And it's like the to me the whole thing about American Horror Story that I love so much about it is that you could never tell what a character was going to be 
based on their actor. Mm-hmm. Like Evan Peters, the guy he played Tate in the first season, fucking psycho. Like he's a rapist. Yeah. You know, he, he shot up a school all to be close to this one girl, you know, one of the main girls in there. In the second season, he's the protagonist. Mm-hmm. He's a good dude. In the third season, he starts out as a good dude. Then he goes a little crazy. Then he turns back to good at the end. And he's like, he's like, he's like the bodyguard for one of the main characters. Like he's a different, he's a legitimately different character every single season. Um, Jessica Lange, that's her name. Or Jessica Lange, something like that. The old lady. Yeah. Um, But characters like her, I think it was Angela Bassett, like the, uh, the, the black lady, like she... I think she's pretty like pretty all over the place with her character, so I'm not going to talk mm. shit about her. But her, Jessica Lange, and then the fat white lady from Misery, they play the same fucking character every single season, well, no matter how much sense it makes. It's, it's. I think, I agree with you. I think it's getting dull. I think it's getting old and stale. That's the word I was looking for. Stale, yeah, that's um, a good one. I think they should uh, kind of do like a recasting. Maybe keep one, maybe two characters that are familiar, but 100% recast. Yeah, keep Evan Peters. If he's not doing anything well, with X-Men, Evan bring Pe- his ass back Evan in. Evan Peters and then that blonde chick, the main blonde chick. What's her name? Main blonde chick. She's like in every single fucking American Horror Story. I, I Talking about the old one? Not the old one. The young one. Oh, Sarah Paulson. Yeah. Yes, yes. She should definitely. Mm, I, think, I think both of those should be in there. So. I, I like Sarah Paulson, okay? I really do. But Jesus Christ, it can only take so much crying, man. <laughs> Every single season, uh, her character exists to cry. That's it. That's her that is, character. That is her character. I, I, Although, that being said, in the newest season, like the really political season, yeah. the first episode, she had me fucking dying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's the Fuck only, you, Huffington Post. That's the only uh, episode <laughs> I've seen of that first season, of that season, so... Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm waiting for the new one. We'll see what happens. Maybe it'll pull me back in because obviously there's just some that just pulled me out. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. But hey, Griffin, you know what time it is, yes. right? Ba-da-ba-da-ba-da, give us our money. <laughs> yes. Uh, we will be right back after these uh, messages from our sponsor. Man, as ready as I'll ever be, boy. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, um, you said American Horror Story. And mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna one up you. I think it's time. I mean, Bring I can the big guns, huh? see the whole thing is I can sit here and list movies, one hit wonders. I can listen to, you know, I can say this name, that name, producers, everything. But the two people that are on Mount Horrormore is that is that how you say it, Mount Rushmore? But it's Horrormore. That works for um, me. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna pick one that I know who you're gonna pick. So I'm gonna go with my guy, Wes Craven. Ah, yeah, I should have seen that coming. Well, you know, this man, I mean, just... West that is probably one of the godfathers of the horror genre. I mean, this, okay, so I wouldn't say he started the slasher films, but he definitely took it to another level. Mm-hmm. And the only reason why I didn't say he started that slasher film because I'm pretty sure your guy started the slasher films. But no, not even that. I think the first like mainstream slasher film was uh, something called Black Christmas. Oh, God. Which I think neither neither of our guys did. Yeah. Well, not to be technical. To me, mm-hmm. so I was born in the 80s. And mm-hmm. I did not, I was too young to really watch horror movies. So in the 90s when their sequels were coming out, <laughs> I uh, my, my father would to, um, basically let me watch horror movies. What, great parenting. Love it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but with that said... I uh I fell in love with this gentleman named Freddy Cougar, and Wes Craven created him. So I put him at my number one list because for my number one horror person, because not only did he give me give us the world of Freddy Cougar, he also gave us the world of I guess his name is Ghostface, which is basically the name which is Scream. Mm. So oh, that was Wes Craven. Yeah. Oh shit. So Wes Craven made you know. He, The Last House on the Left, Scream, you know, these are some movies that I just, all the screams, and he did a movie, I'm looking up right now, just to double check, because he has so many fucking movies, but mm-hmm. one of the, one, I'm a huge fan of Swamp Thing, which 
If you listen to my podcast I did about DC, you'll understand why I'm a little pissed off about what just happened to Swamp Thing, the television series. But which, by the way, James Wan filmed two episodes of that. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, he he made a movie, Swamp Thing, which I thought was great. Came out in the '80s. I didn't see it until the '90s. But um, but hands down, Freddy Krueger. It's just scary. I mean, what's not scary about a man who like? What's the one thing that your body does naturally? It falls asleep, and you're you're the, oh. you're your most vulnerable. When you're sleeping. So how fucking scary is that? That the person, he can only get you when you're sleeping. So you can take all the caffeine in the world. Eventually you will crash. You will fall asleep. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Makes sense. I know the main reason why Freddy Krueger is so popular these days is... Oh, shit, you caught me eating. It was, um, fuck, give me a second here. Very professional here, you know. Mm-hmm. Listen, bitch. I'm trying to keep from falling asleep myself, okay? I need Freddy Krueger coming up, sticking his claws up my ass. Is for all the different, like, very inventive kills in the Nightmare on Elm Street. I, I started watching the original. I wasn't a huge fan of it because the effects really do not age well. But, holy shit, dude. Some of those kills in there, amazing stuff. So, like, would it would. The- what were you going to say? Which one? Which kill you were talking about? The Johnny Depp kill? That was a big one. Uh, I am also a big fan of the original, like the first one in the movie, where the, the lady's in bed, and she just starts getting dragged up the wall and just getting cut to pieces while her oh, boyfriend watches. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, having an antagonist who does not subscribe to the laws of reality makes for a really creative filmmaking process where you can do anything anything you want to try to do any kind of weird ass kind of fucked up kill you well, want to try that's how it that's how the the saga goes i say saga because it's definitely like multiple movies but that's how it mm-hmm. goes eventually you know nightmare on elm street is great nightmare on elm street 3 is probably the best nightmare, nightmare on elm street which is the dream mm-hmm. the dream warriors that's the best one and it's crazy to say that a third film in the in the in the genre, in that little series, is the best mm-hmm. one because normally third films suck dick. But yes. fir- first one was good. It introduced you to Freddy. You get to, you know, you get to see all the, the main chick. I forget, you know, it's been a while since I watched them, but you get to see her. You get to see the, you know, actual Elm Street. You get to see the house. You even get to hear the song, the Freddy song, which is to this day one of my favorite horror soundtracks ever. You know, have you heard the song? Do you know what the song is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, it's like those kids skipping rope, right? Yeah, it's like, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Oh, I'm dropping that beat. Anyway, um, yeah, so... <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Freddy, he just really... I don't know, it's it's so great. And then the third one's probably the best one because people, they actually start fighting back. Now, they fall back in the first two ones, but the third one, they really start fighting back. But the deaths are great. I mean, guy getting trapped in a... he. Freddy mimic him, makes him shrink really small, and he gets trapped in a giant cockroach um, thing. And then there's one where a guy is cleaning his ears, and Freddy just sticks the toothpick all the way through his ears. I mean, there's so many cool, like, murder the things. The only one, well, the one that I remember from that movie, I can't remember what the context was, but he, like, morphs out of a TV, grabs oh, his yeah. girl, and says, Welcome to prime time, bitch, and just shoves her through the TV and kills her. Yes. She, uh, I remember so busted out laughing. So that was Freddy. That was a Nightmare on Elm Street 3. That was a, that was a good... Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, it's a group of kids that are in a mental institute, and they all talk about how they were affected by Freddy, and they're scared of Freddy. So a guy, somebody um, comes in and tries to teach them, well, you need to harness your abilities in a dream like you need if you're a bodybuilder if you need to do this and that one chick that you're talking about she was just obsessed with herself and very narcissistic so that's why she died in the tv but um Hmm. no it's it's a it was definitely a good one and then you know he kind of disappeared well not i wouldn't say because scream didn't come out until probably 99 Hmm. um and so freddie was dying he was he was he did a movie here or there but then the whole scream thing happened and that was a that blew up so big i mean it's just you know it's just a big big movie it was good it was great i liked it it had um it was just i think the thing i liked about it the most is there was a big twist at the end of the movie 
and it was a uh, you didn't see it coming. Like you, you always thought, oh, maybe the boyfriend is the killer, but then you didn't think his friend who's throwing the party was also a killer. That there was more than one killer. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen Scream, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. Wes Craven, he's he did some, he's done some great shit, you know. I love how meta Scream was. Like, can you imagine how much of like a a badass move that is if you're Wes Craven saying, "Hey, look, I know I kickstarted the slasher genre." I made it. We all are fucking it up so bad. I'm literally going to make a movie about how many villains and people in slasher movies are fucking idiots. And I'm going to make that a hit too. Yep. Just dunking on all of you. It's like the ultimate mic drop of a movie. Mm-hmm. Even if the sequel's kind of fucked it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's like, if you look at if you look at all his movies, like I'm, I'm looking at a lot of them right now, and... Like, these are just good classic movies. Not all of them were hits. Like, you know, mm-hmm. Feast, I don't think that was a great one. Pulse wasn't a great one. But w- there is one movie on here that I didn't know he made. And I'm a little shocked. But The Hills Have Eyes. Mm-hmm. And now he did the original. And he produced The Hills Have Eyes 2, the sequel. But the, the remake, I think, was one of my favorites. But the original Hills Have Eyes, um, yeah, that... That's that was a fucked up movie, and I now, yeah, what? This thing I actually, I knew that he um that he made Hills Have Eyes. I did not know he made Feast. Yeah, that was a weird ass movie, man. I don't know if you've ever seen it, ever heard about it. I have. I just I wasn't a big fan of Feast. No, it was it was really strange, but it is to this day the only film I've ever heard of where a lady suicide bomber gets face fucked by an alien before she gets blown up. Yep. To this day, you can you you can wear that proudly. No one else can claim that. And um, sadly, someone else will probably uh you know. Get that. I don't know what about sadly. I mean, that's a that's a hell of a title to have. <laughs> I don't know about you. But the first one of the first films he's done, the first film that he directed uh, horror-wise, is um the last um house on the left. Now there's been uh, yes. there's been there's been you know even the remake was good. I I agree the remake I did like the remake, but the original obviously is always really good and it was in the 70s. So in the 70s they didn't the blood was very vibrant. So when 70 movies, you know, when 70 horror movies come out, they're very they're very vibrant the color wise. So but this one was a good movie. This was a hot one. Um, I enjoyed it. It's it is kind of weird seeing how every one of his successful movies basically kicked off a genre by itself. Like there is no just regular, you know, successful Wes Craven movie. You know, Scream kicked off the self awareness genre of slasher films where everything there's got to be jokes about mm-hmm. the characters, you know, not running out the front door and everything. Last House on the Left, it started its own like little rape revenge series, like the I Spit on Your Graves and stuff like that. And then, you know, of course, Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, it, it became one of the big three with Friday the 13th, Halloween, starting off its own genre and basically codifying the, the teenage slasher genre, basically kickstarting the 80s and 90s film spree. Yeah. And it's it's great that you, you brought that up because... Uh... To me, I mean, you know, like I said before, Psycho was probably one of the con- considered one of the first slasher films. But to everyone in the world, there's only one very first slasher film, and that brings us up to John Carpenter's Halloween. Yes, that's my guy, John Carpenter. One of my consider one of the best horror directors who ever lived. Uh, we'll see if he's surpassed in this lifetime of mine. Yeah, but he single-handedly, he, yes, he did. He single-handedly created the slasher genre and made it popular. Yeah, and took a very, very simple premise of a guy in a weird mask with a big-ass knife. Like, imagine just how little moving parts there are in the original Halloween. There's a bunch of teenagers. There's a guy with a knife. He goes around stabbing them. That's it. Yeah, I mean, Halloween itself. If you look back at it, it's like, it's like, um. It's like if you look at the guitar chords of a punk band, it's literally three chords the whole time. 
and that's what but it's still a great song every like if you look at nirvana if you if you ever picked up a guitar and if you ever try to play a nirvana song i bet you would learn it in three hours all the whole song mm -hmm. because it's the same yeah. shit over and over again and but it's nirvana it's an amazing song it's groundbreaking and that's what halloween is halloween is nirvana it changed an era it started doing something that no one was doing and it was probably scary as shit like you know it probably came out around halloween imagine seeing that movie and then taking your kids like trick-or-treating like that's just fucking scary shit <laughs> oh i can believe it because my parents talked about separately of course this is before they were together separately seeing halloween and how it affected both of them because there had never been a movie like that before yeah it was it was kind of all on its own you know psycho they they thought it was a scary film but it was so just far away so disconnected mm -hmm. from reality like this guy he's so obsessed with his mother that he dresses up like his mother and runs around stabbing people you know yeah. listening to the to talking corpse of his mother like that's you know he's kind of who the hell is that guy the guy from Psycho I forget his name uh, Patrick Bateman yeah he's so explained like every little detail of his psyche and his backstory and everything is so explained in such explicit detail that it takes away from the mystique from the scariness of the of the whole ordeal Michael Myers at least for the first two films nothing was explained about him nope. or at least in the first film um, he was just a guy like, I think you hit the nail on the head, the nirvana of horror films. You know, Friday the 13th had all these super gory shots and all the twist endings and stuff like that. And Nightmare on Elm Street it had all these fantastical elements and kills and a guy invading your dreams. There was just one big thing about Halloween, but it was done so well. So much effort and care and precision was put into the way everything was done. Every kill, the soundtrack, the tension... The way scenes are shot. There are no super flashy, gory kills in that movie. There's very little blood at all. It's just a guy, he comes up behind you, just stabs you, and then you're fucking dead. But it's such a realistic seeming, with the exception of the ending, of course, because generally speaking, you get shot six times off of a two-story balcony. You're not getting up that fast. But everything up till that point, I remember my parents saying that was the scariest part was that there's nothing stopping there from being a real-life Michael Myers right now. Just like a guy with a knife running around stabbing people. That's such a realistic thing. That's something that actually happens in this day-to-day -day world. There's nothing really you can do about it. If somebody decides they want to fuck your day up, well, hate to tell you, but it's going to happen. You know, somebody's going to run up and stab you and fuck your day up. Yeah. Well, you know, it's crazy, like... John Carpenter, I mean, so we're sitting here talking about Halloween. We're sitting, I mean, obviously that's his groundbreaking thing. He's done so many other different horror movies. There's one that actually inspired um, a comic book. And recently there's been a, a um, Netflix picked up the comic book and they made it called The Umbrella Academy. Mm -hmm. um, but there was a horror movie that he made called The Village of the Damned. And this movie... Oh, talk about some fucked up shit. Imagine ten different women in this uh, in this town give birth the same day to ten different children, and these children just are all blonde hair, like blue eyes. Well, they're multicolored eyes, but they they start growing really fast, like really fast. Like after six months, they're like two years old, or you know, this really fast. And they're all demoned. They're all demon children, and like that's basically the premise of that film. And Doctor, like, uh, was it Superman was in it? Christopher Reeves, and um, it was a chick. I forget that name of the chick, but yeah. So they basically have to. They ha basically the town has to team up and battle these kids that lasers are coming out their eyes. And there's actually a famous picture in black and white. Um, because I think it was filmed. No, it was in the '80s, so it was color. I don't know why it's black and white, but it's uh the famous picture is that these kids are standing there with blue eyes. It's, it's, I don't know. I have to show you this picture, but um, that movie, that movie was freaky. That was a scary movie. Well, I think anything to do with kids is automatically yeah. a little creepy. Well, you know, like Children of the Corn. Oh you know? yeah, jeez. Well, you know, it's crazy. For a while, I thought John Carpenter was really uh, you know, sucking the dick of uh Stephen King for a while. He made he made a lot of Stephen King uh movies. Well, well I tried to, and God bless him. But yeah. <laughs> well, he made the thing. You didn't like the thing. Mm -hmm. The thing was not a Stephen King story, sir. 
but Steven, but no, nah, the oh, it's not John Carpenter's. Oh, no. it's not. No. Oh man, oh man, you're getting offensive. I mean, I would yeah. too. I was very, you know. Yeah. <laughs> now, that's something I I would love if it was a Stephen King story because I'd probably love the book even more than I love the movie. Uh-huh. The movie is my favorite horror movie of all time, but. I actually read the book that the movie was based on and, and I fucking hated it. I couldn't stand it. I got it for like a dollar fifty on Amazon, just a little ebook, and I still felt like it I it wasn't worth the time. Oh, um, I'm thinking of Christine and the Fog, because the fog is basically like the mist. The mist. Oh yeah, yeah, I guess so. But, I haven't seen Christine. Um The Mist was good. I think that was like a Frank Darabont yeah. thing. But um, uh, but anyway, so he made one of your favorite horror movies of all time. Yes, The Thing. And it wraps up everything. I know I've gushed about this film before, but I'm going to keep doing it now. You know, um, It wraps up everything that I love in a horror movie. You have an inhuman antagonist that no one understands what's it, what it wants or, or how it works or anything like that. All they know is it wants to survive and it wants to spread. It's like a bacteria, and they're all the hosts. Mm-hmm. There's paranoia, because something that's been infected by a thing looks, acts feels, reacts exactly the same as a normal person. There's even a thought, there's a fan theory that people who are infected don't realize that they're infected. Like, it basically takes over their memories and lets them keep thinking that they're human. Um, And you don't know until it's already too late who is infected and who isn't. There's plenty of tension in the movie where it's like, you know, the power will go down in the base, and there's just these shadows moving around, you don't know who the hell is, like, who's where and who the hell's doing what. One of the greatest and most earned jump scares I've ever seen in a film that to this day, even though I've seen that film eight fucking times and I know it's coming every time, it still makes me jump a little bit. Just because the way it's shot, the music, like the sound effect that they use. Uh-huh. It is. Have you seen uh, the thing before? Yes. Is it, okay. Is it with the dogs? No, although okay. that is a, an amazing scene. Okay. I'm talking about the blood test scene. Oh, okay, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I love it so much, even that, like, when you see what is coming out of the jar, it's clearly like a prosthetic hand. Yeah. It's got, like, the explosive squib in it or something like that. But they thought so far ahead that two or three tests before, when they're still, like, going negative for the thing... Mm-hmm. They use that prosthetic hand. They never change the angle of the shot. They never do not use a prosthetic hand. So you get used to seeing it in there, seeing that angle, seeing that hand there every time he dips the wire in and it goes, you know, and it's like it's not, you know, the guy isn't infected. So even though you know it's coming, you know it has to happen because they set it up so much. They put up so much dramatic tension like, oh, we'll do you last. You know he's not infected. You yeah. know the next guy is going to be infected. But before you even hear the of the wire, it screeches loud as shit and it jumps out of the jar and starts running everywhere. Like, I wasn't... The way it's set up for your mind, it expects it to the wire to hit and then something to happen. Yeah. But the thing happens before your mind is ready for it to happen. Even though I know it's coming, I know what's going to happen, I know when it's going to happen, it still manages to trick my mind into expecting it later than it actually happened. Yeah, I mean, well, th- that's 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 a sign of a good jump scare because, mm-hmm. say if you're in a movie theater, you, okay, horrible, mu- like, scary music starts playing. Mm-hmm. The person starts opening up, you know, the, the, the lights go out, so the only flashlight they have is fucking a, a, a phone. So they they have, mm-hmm. they have this. They're shining it here, and then a cabinet moves. I mean, like you know, something's about to jump out, and you're just waiting right. for it and waiting for it, and then you get scared. So I I agree. That was a good scene. You know, it's funny. You for someone that likes this movie so much, you need mm-hmm. to watch um, Dreamcatcher because it's literally it's it's kind of on the same premise. It's it's a watch fucking Dreamcatcher. <laughs> All right, I'll give it a well, shot. I'll give it a I, look. I feel like it's Stephen King's version of the thing. Ah. Like I feel like he was just like, oh, he did that. Well, I can do this, and I, I feel like uh, you like it. It's sad because I'm hyping this movie up, and you're gonna see it. You're like, me. <laughs> hey, look, if it's half the movie, the thing is, I'm still gonna enjoy it. it, it um, it's good. It's got a, it's got some good actors in it too. It's you know. now, 
while we're on the subject of good jump scares, I'll mention another one that I saw. This movie, by itself, I don't think personally is worth watching all the way through. Mm-hmm. It's a Netflix original called The Ritual. I don't know if you've seen it or not. It came up on my recommended, but I haven't. Okay. I personally, I really enjoyed the film, mm-hmm. but... I don't think I can really recommend anyone to sit down and just watch it all the way through because it's a very slow burn kind of film. Yeah. Um, at least in the opening, like, 30 to 45 minutes, nothing really happens. But past that, it has my second favorite jump scare of all time. It scared the shit out of me. I remember telling you about this movie uh, back when we were still working together. I remember saying I came in, I was sitting there, I was drinking a beer, I was watching the movie. It had just started, like, it had just turned to night. Like, it had just gone off a sunset. So I hadn't turned my lamp on yet. I was still watching it in the dark. And there's these characters that are walking through the woods. And we haven't seen any kind of idea of what the antagonist of the movie is going to be. We just know they're walking through the woods and shit goes sideways. And they're talking. It's in the middle of the day. There's no camera shots. There's no weird angles or anything like this. It's just, it's an expository dialogue scene. They're just talking about, oh, you know, if this character was here, he'd probably do this, this, and this. And I'm just, I'm almost falling asleep. I got my head in my hands. Like, why did I watch this fucking movie? And then. And they come around a corner and there's no, there's no like little violin screen. no, you know, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. It's just a shot of a cow about 20 feet in the air ripped in half draped over the branches of a tree and it takes a second for them to react to it and start screaming so my mind didn't realize that it's something I should pay attention to for a solid second and I realized at the same time the characters did and they started screaming it made me jump in my seat I almost dropped my beer and I made like one of those (laughs) like really feminine kind of squeaks like you know you call that feminine I'd be like well well, I, I I made it a lot dark, a lot deeper than it actually was. I'm a little I'm a little embarrassed to actually recreate my the sound that I made. Yeah. But it startled me so fucking bad. I had to pause the movie, take a break for like two minutes because my heart was pounding. Like I was not expecting it at all. I didn't even know it was that kind of movie. Yes. I didn't know there was gonna be any kind of jump scares in there. And then for the rest of the movie, uh, no more jump scares. There's like one more jump scare in the entire movie. And it's almost near the end of the movie. But the entire rest of the movie, as you slowly start to learn more about what's in the woods with them, mm-hmm. it builds these scenes upon scenes of just 10 minutes. It's pitch black outside. They're out in the forest by themselves. It's in the pouring fucking rain. And they know something's out there with them. And they're just walking around shining their flashlights. And you think they see something and they shine the light back and it's not there anymore. And... I kept waiting, waiting, waiting. I'm on the edge of my seat. Like, the tension is fucking killing me. Waiting for something to jump out of the trees at them. And it never does. And they find a house. They go into this house. It's dark. There's no one in there. The floorboards are really creaky and everything. And they split up. And I'm like, oh, God, here we go. And they go into this room. And in this room, there's this effigy made out of branches and leaves and it looks like a guy like a person standing there the way it's shot like the the little reverb of the flashlight I'm waiting for it to jump out start screaming and stuff the tension is so fucking thick I could cut it with a knife nothing happens lightning keeps flashing the thunder keeps going you know the rain keeps pattering I keep waiting and waiting and waiting for something to happen and it never does and so then I'm almost I'm at the I'm almost near the end of the movie and it's not a human antagonist we've learned that by now and it's not like a demon either it's something living some kind of animal so I'm just I'm thinking okay this is gonna be one of those blue ball movies where you keep seeing things out of the corner of your eye and you never see anything again and then there's a scene where a character is like it's shot from his perspective and stuff and he looks over at his buddy who's like 30 feet behind him and it looks like the trees come alive and just grab him and just drag him off in the trees and fucking murder him. Like, they find him the next day. He's hung up in a tree and his guts are all hanging out everywhere and stuff. And if you look back, if you go back to that scene and look, like, panel by panel, 
you can see the creature standing there just staring at them for like five minutes. I didn't even realize it my first go around. It's a legitimately creepy, fucking tense, scary experience. Wow. But but again, the, the characters are kind of dickheads. You know, the story's a little weird. So if you have nothing else to do and you can go into that movie in the right mindset, like at night, by yourself, put headphones on, turn off the lights. You know, I, the, I just... Dude, the experience you go through, Jesus Christ, I was on the edge of my seat that whole fucking movie. And you know how usually... It, how much it takes for me to get actually invested in a yes. horror movie these days. Well, you know, so, all right. Everyone who just listened to what Griffin just said, two things. One, you need to start reading books on Audible. What is it? Audible.com. Audible. Yes, you mm-hmm. need to start reading books because that you just got me in the zone. Like, I felt like I was mm-hmm. there. And then, mm-hmm. second, um, man, you were I – love, I love the passion. I really do love the passion. You yeah, it's get, it's yeah. like nine times out of ten, I'm just dead inside for everything that I that I'm remotely interested in. And then when I find something I actually like, I fucking leech onto. Yeah. It's like I can talk about that shit for hours. Oh man, I'm like so, I I know I know how that feels. I do. It's one of my favorite experiences when you just click on something. Like I just it ran. Same thing as you. It showed up in my recommended feed one day. Yeah. And I didn't even watch the trailer because my sister said she watched the trailer and it looked like shit. Yeah. But you know, a buddy of mine was telling me, "Hey man, give this a watch. I think it's worth your time." You know, especially knowing your taste in horror. And I said, "What do you mean by that?" He said, "I'm not going to tell you because it's going to spoil the movie. Just, just watch. watch it." Yep. That's awesome. So. I did, and holy shit, dude! If nothing I, else, I need to send, while while you get talking about whatever it is you're going to talk about next, I'm gonna send you a picture of what they run into, okay, in the movie, like what the monster is. Okay. Well, I will I will tell you this, like, I um, I I just I lost my fucking train of thought. That's what it was. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. I mean, see, when you're passionate about something, it's so it's so it's so nice to hear someone else passionate about something. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what drew me into it. I bought into what you were saying and I'm enjoying that a hundred percent. Um, but yes, no, that's it. John Carpenter. He was my last one. I mean, there's some other notable movies that I think, uh, you know, really helped me out. And, you know, I'll, I'll just give a quick name drop of some of these movies. Wrong turn. That was a good movie for me. I, what, what's scarier than turning down the wrong way. And then, seeing a deliverance family down there and then you got the Blair Witch Project I mean these are some groundbreaking movies that uh, the directors did a great oh, job yes. but the thing the, but the thing about these movies I mean they're, they're more of the one hit wonders and that's why I didn't really bring up the directors or, or the actors in them or things like that but these are some great horror movies there's a lot of great horror movies out there that are just like, like that director made one great, great one and then God knows what happened after that but Blair Witch Project was one of those big ones because I'm from Maryland and that was filmed in Maryland and those woods are still there to this day and it's it's an urban legend in Maryland so it's just kind of one of those things where that's a real thing so just seeing a movie about it was fucking crazy <laughs> so I, I would love to do an episode just on the Blair Witch and all of the kind of basically when it kick started the what the hell do you even call that? Where like it looks like a documentary kind of footage? Oh, found footage. There yeah, you go. The found footage thing. Well, which yeah. br- which brings me to, you know, I didn't bring up this director's name, but J.J. Abrams. One of my favorite genres is monster movies. And, ah, yes. You know, Cloverfield. Yeah, and Cloverfield. That was a found footage kind of thing. So that that I love the Steadicam thing. I love the Steadicam. The, not the Steadicam. The, the the shaky cam. The whole experience, and that stuff. But you know what? We will bring it up. We have some uh, cool things coming this summer, um, and I'm excited. I'm excited to talk more about horror with you, man. I mean, we're going to be talking. I think what we're going to do, I'll, I'll give you guys the lineup if you listen this far. So I think we're going to be doing. Uh, well, Griffin knows about one of them. We're trying to do like uh, every decade, and like what what was the best movie in that decade? You know, what what kind of how that decade shaped the way that horror is today, and then. Um, I want to break down like different uh, monsters. I want to talk about the monsters, the vampires, the all that good stuff. You know, don't forget my werewolves and the werewolves. You know, we need it. These are things that we need to talk about. And summer's long, and we're going to be pumping these out. It's about eight weeks, so we got some stuff going on here. And then 
Well, I honestly, this could roll right into Halloween, so stay tuned. I appreciate it. But you got anything else to say at the end of this episode? No, I'm about to. I think that the ritual really took it out of me. <laughs> I'm just, I'm excited to get into this, man. I, I fucking love the horror genre, and I know you good. do as well. Well, you know, I kind of, I fell out of it the last 365 days. The last year, for the last year, I fell out of it. I've been moving a lot. I've been doing a lot of things. I haven't been up to date with a lot of the new horror stuff. Um, but I've been talking to my wife, and you know, she said that she would sit down and start watching some horror movies with me again, and just kind of rehash some things. So I'm pretty, uh, pretty stoked. I will check out the movies that you recommended, and I still think there's some movies you need to be seeing. But uh, yeah, we'll yeah, you see. get me a list. I'll get you a list. We'll figure this out. Yes, but thank you all for listening. Good night. Godspeed. And fuck your run. And fuck your run. <laughs>